Hi, you're listening to the OmniTalk Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with Microsoft, the AM Consumer and Retail Group, Takeoff, and Sezzle. The OmniTalk Fast Five podcast is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, Chris, a little happier each week, too. It's my favorite part. Every today, week. today is February 10th. I'm your host, Ann Mazenga. And I'm Chris Walton. Finally back in the studio together. Yes. And we are here once again to discuss all the top headlines making waves in the world of omni-channel retailing this week. Chris, I got to kick us off right away yeah. with a, a retraction. I'm very disappointed in this, actually. I know. Yeah. It's, we made I, a mistake last week. Yes, we did, especially for you, the yes. like, grammar police. Mm-hmm. Um, Lee Sherwood Esmond, loyal listener, brought to our attention that we incorrectly used the state abbreviation for Alaska instead of Arkansas when That's we right. were talking about the uh, Walmart store that they're the new test store they're doing there. So Chris, yes. do you have a few words you'd like yes, to say I do. to the audience? Yes, I do. First, I want to apologize to the audience for those listening. I yes. mistakenly used the abbreviation AK. It's 100% my fault. It's I was, AR. Uh, yes, I was the editor in charge of proofing that. And, you know, unfortunately, I just can't find good abbreviation help these days. And <laughs> there's 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 labor shortages and supply chain issues in state abbreviations right now. There is. There really is. And but and I'm going to put you on the spot here, too, like because it's not that easy of a task, actually, to know all the abbreviations. Sure. So real quickly, what is the abbreviation for the state of Iowa? I.A. Okay, maybe it is easy. All I worked, right. I worked in news for a while, Chris. Uh, that was something we had to make sure we got right. All right. Well, let's get to the news this week. In today's Fast Five, we've got headlines from Aldi, Starbucks, more instant delivery headlines, and we're going to end with a discussion on ghost kitchens at malls, oh, particularly yeah. Simon Properties malls. But first, we're going to take off with Domino's Pizza stealing the top spot this week. Oh, yes. All right. So headline number one, according to Fox Business and the Associated Press, Domino's is offering a $3 tip to customers who are willing to come in and pick up their own pizza. So the program will run until May 22nd, and here is how it works. So online carryout customers are eligible to receive a $3 coupon for a future carryout order placed in the following week. And the move comes just in time for Super Bowl. Now, Chris, I tried this out last I know, night, I saw that. but I would like to hear your thoughts before I I, I give the audience well, my opinion I'm an, I'm on an, this. I'm going to make this really quick because I saw that you put that video of your experience online last night. Yes. When I woke up this morning, it was the first thing in my feed. And I was like, ooh, this is spicy. I like it. It's like pepperoni, <laughs> pepperoni in my feed. All right. I, I think it's another brilliant move for Domino's, quite honestly. I think it speaks to two things. One. Delivery is still the more expensive op- yeah. uh, option for the operator. And so this just calls attention to the fact that they're trying to defray their operating costs by having customers come in and pick up the order and quote, tipping them for doing so. Even for somebody like Domino's, who's been doing this for their entire yeah, right? existence. Right, right. Yeah. It's a great, that's yep. a great point. Yep. And then the thing is the second point, which you've already talked, we've already talked about actually on this podcast is there's still a labor shortage mm-hmm. out there. So Domino's, in, you know, in my opinion is smartly, you know, trying to, put the marketing handle of this is a tip yeah. onto the whole experience to incent the repeat. That's the cool part of it too. They're incenting a repeat trial. Mm-hmm. They're going to run the test for a few months. They've coincided with Super Bowl. They're going to understand how much it works, how much the consumer responds to it. It's just pure brilliance in my, in my mind. But what do you think? You tried it out. You're not, you're not, not there. Really. I wanted to I'm be so there fascinated. so much so that I was like, listen, Why? family, I made dinner, but we're scrapping it. We're going to try this Domino's pizza thing tonight. 
Okay. Here's my issue with this. Okay. I like the idea in yeah. theory. I think it's really smart, mm. but I am concerned that this is going to get killed before, because customers are going to be dissatisfied with it before really? it has the real opportunity to like grow and become a really good. So it's, is it an execution problem or what? Total, okay. total execution problem. So good idea. But good idea. Execution. Domino's pizza is still like too affordable a pizza that $3 is not an incentive enough for me to like get out of the house, go drive to my carry out, mm. pick it up and leave it. Especially because you have to use that coupon within not, not even within yeah. the week. Like my issue with this is Domino's, you are immediately seeing the benefit of me coming to pick up the pizza. I should be incentivized as the customer immediately by getting that $3 off. And that's the problem for me. So I agree with that. Actually, I was, I'm glad you brought that up because that was the one thing I was curious about when I saw it, when I read the fine print of this, which I think is important. That's yes. why we do what we do yep. is that the whole fact that I had to use it again next week right. kind of bothered me. Like totally. I'm doing the work to defray your operating costs yep. and you're penalizing me and making me, making me wait a week. And you're saying that pissed you off because that made it not worth it for you. Totally. It makes the whole problem or the whole program, I think not worth it for me. It's just at the end of the day, it's just another crappy coupon that you get in the mail or, you know, in the local newspaper, that's really not benefiting me. And especially when you're paying such a low price for, for the pizza already, like I, it's just, it's, I don't think it's enough of an issue. Plus, I think, you know, Domino's should take some time to really perfect how this is going to happen. Even the store operations, when I went to go pick it up, it still wasn't They're ready when I got there. Package, like, yeah. it's just not a convenient customer experience. And I think that it really could be. I wish they'd take the time, especially now when I know the customer is not just experiencing labor shortages and supply chain issues at Domino's. It's everywhere. So I think take the time now to really build this into a program that could be really successful, giving customers the opportunity to have this pizza option, you know, picked up on their yeah. schedule. I love it. That's the first negative thing I think we've ever said in the history of the show on Domino's too. And kudos to you for doing it, putting it out on social media, check out Ant's feed on LinkedIn and Mazinga. I'm sure you guys all know that, but check it out on LinkedIn because it's cool. It's cool to see. All right. Do I have a second identity or something on LinkedIn? Who oh, knows? Oh, we all do. And headline number two, according to Grocery Dive, Aldi announced on Tuesday that it will open approximately 150 U.S. stores and that it also plans to expand its curbside pickup to 300 additional stores this yes. year. Aldi said that it is particularly focused on building up the Gulf Coast and it is set to open its first store in Louisiana. It's 38th state. Yes. I might have to go check that out at the end of the month. Oh, yeah. And I take the right. fam down oh, to Mardi God, Gras. God, did I sound Minnesota there, Oh, did, Jeez. yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's go down to Mardi Gras this year, Ann. Uh, and they also have 20 more stores planned in the region by the end of the year. The announcement also, it should be noted, Ann, this is yes. important, continues all these momentum of becoming the third largest grocery retailer by store count by the end of this year, 2022. And I have a feeling you think this is a big story. Oh, I do. Why is that? Well, okay. N number one, Aldi, well, it's the on par to be the third largest store. It already ranks sixth overall in the Dunhumby grocery study that he did, the retailer preferred index. Damn, Gina, yeah. you just dropped Dunhumby again? I did wow, drop Dunhumby. you're bringing it today. Okay. It reminded me, though, of something that Jonathan Sharp said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about um, Aldi expanding their checkout free retail stores. And he said- if all these already competing their competitors on price yep. and now they go hard on convenience, which they are in this case of expanding curbside pickup, 
they are, you know, putting themselves in a really solid position against those other competitors in the grocery space, and especially against Amazon and what we're seeing with the continued growth um, of the Amazon fresh stores and traffic to those stores. But what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, guys? no, I hundred percent agree with you. I think some of the angles that you talked about are really, really important. The, the two things that, that stuck, that struck, that stuck out to me yeah. are one is like you said, the expansion of curbside pickup, mm-hmm. the angle I would put on top of what you said though, is it, if you think about curbside pickup, it's actually a pretty big departure from, from all these traditional Spartan like service model, which it's an important note for Costco particularly. And also I'm saying that as a deliberate shot to Costco to say like, look, Aldi thinks this is a big deal. They're expanding it, you know, pretty heavily here. So Costco kind of let's, let's get moving on this thing a little bit. Like if they can do it, you can do it kind of thing. Right. Um, and then the other thing is I say 150 stores, this is more a subtle point, but it gets back to what you were talking about with Jonathan in his comment. 150 stores is a lot of stores. Oh, yeah. So that gives you a lot of room to experiment with new ideas, new mm-hmm. concepts. And should they find success with what they're doing in the checkout free world overseas, it's probably not going to be long before they can use one of these new operations, which we know from all of our discussions of checkout free retail is a much easier implementation than saying to try to say trying to retrofit an existing store. Right. What, so, what's going on with with the like southeastern area, too? It's like Kroger's expanding in Florida, like Floridians. Are you just not getting the grocery services that you need right now or what's going on? Well, I think I mean, it's where the population's moving. You know, sure. it's pretty much dominated by, you know, you know, a few players like there's a lot of money to be had there for yeah. all the people that are coming and bringing associations Fair. with other retailers too. So yeah, I think it's, it's an awesome story. Aldi is definitely one to watch. We hear it all the time from everyone we talk about in our, we talk to in our circles too, but. All right, let's head on to headline number three, this Chris. Big. So headline number three is that Dave Jameson at HuffPost is reporting that Starbucks may have fired several workers in Memphis, Tennessee, who are part of the growing unionization effort surrounding the company. Now, listeners pay close attention because there's a lot of detail here. So first, the Starbucks Workers United said on Tuesday on Twitter that the company had canned, quote, virtually the entire union leadership in Memphis, end quote, calling it a case of retaliation for their union support. Now, Reggie Borges, who is the Starbucks spokesperson, replied saying that the company did not fire workers for organizing, but instead for violating safety and security protocols. He said that those were that the workers opened the locked store after close of business without permission and let non-employees in. So, now we have Richard Bensinger, who's a longtime <laughs> organizer involved in the Starbucks unionization campaign, said on Twitter that the workers were fired for, quote, talking to local TV reporters in the store, end quote. Yeah. One more thing. So it gets then, saucier is, even this more. Is like, this is like a retail like telenovela. Yeah, this All is right. crazy. So then Nikki Taylor, a shift supervisor at the store, said in a statement through the union that she was, quote, fired by Starbucks today for policies that I've never heard of before, end quote. She also called the firing a, quote, clear attempt by Starbucks to retaliate, end quote. Now, Chris, as if this headline wasn't heady <laughs> enough, enough, this is no also way. this is also where A&M oh, is going to put you on the spot, Chris. Oh, um, so, joke. Chris, A&M wants to know, uh, labor unions. given all of this discussion with labor shortages, minimum wage pressure, and the looming threat of automation, how should people be thinking about the friction between Starbucks and their biggest union in Memphis? Whoa. Okay. Well, all right. Wow. Well, I think they've got to be taking this really seriously, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I sure. think this is a big deal. Um, and I say that from two perspectives. I say that one as a historian, you know, for those oh, that God. don't know, right? Wait for it. But 
this is this headline was already long enough. We can't get too far into history. This so. is important. And I was okay. a his, I was a history major in college, believe it or not. Yes. And one of the subjects that I studied believe, was actually labor you. history. It was 18th century labor history. Oh, my God. I'm already the great professor Karen Soslack. I'm sure she's not listening, probably has no idea even of this program. But yeah, it was a core tenet of what I learned at school. The second piece of this is I was actually a district manager for Target and store manager for Target. So More I have relevant. some experience to this. And so I can see both sides of the argument that Starbucks is saying, because if what Starbucks is saying is true, that's definitely grounds for firing people because that's probably outside the policy and it's yep. probably written somewhere. Yep. Whether it's explicitly stated in the training is another thing. But at the end of the day, what I think this speaks to, and AM gets to it in their question is, there's a lot going on right now. You've got the being a frontline worker at a retail operation is yep. not a job that people are wanting to do as much anymore. Hence, there's a labor shortage. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, in the backdrop, all the HQ headquarters, fat cats, and I call them that particularly for a reason, are reaping the benefits of all the work they're doing day yes. in and day out. You look at you know, all the stories in the media of just the earnings that these companies are bringing home, the stock prices, Bonuses. they're getting rewarded on mm -hmm. the backs of, of these workers' efforts. And I think the workers that are still there who haven't gone and resigned through the great resignation are saying, yeah. to, the, saying to the world, like, we want some of that back. And I think they have every right to claw, try to claw that back and to yeah. take the steps to do that. And so I think where there's smoke, there's fire. And I bring up the historical analogy because it feels a little like what's happening now to me is what happened after the dawn of the Industrial Revolution with the railroads. The railroads, the oil companies, they got fat. They pissed off the workers and the workers united. And that mm -hmm. gave us the labor union, the labor union movement that we still have today. And so I think that's now happening with tech. And I think it's quite likely, given the continued proliferation of tech with automation, that you're going to see more and more of this. We've seen it at Starbucks in Buffalo, in addition yep. to Memphis, Alabama and unionization efforts with Amazon in their warehouses. It's going to keep happening. And so I think retailers need to be more cognizant of this than ever before. That's my that's my take on and it. And Chris Walton will be available on a PBS Frontline special tonight on the labor shortages <laughs> of 1800 and how the railroad workers unionized. There's probably an article comparing it. If I had time, I'd probably go into okay. very explicit yeah. ties of the two things. But um, well, not to make light of this, because I think you're right, Chris, you do bring up some really good points um, about you know, pandemic employees and really, you know, justifying their request for safer working environments and higher pay, which is what they're being asked to yeah. do, especially when the jobs that they're faced, they're faced with are not just the typical tasks of running and operating as a Starbucks barista here, but enforcing mask mandates, right. dealing with confrontational customers because of those kinds of things. Like there's a lot going on, especially from the last year. Um, however, I'm going to pull out the part where, um, AM is talking about investment in automation to, be, to yeah. do these jobs because I do think that we're going to start to see retailers investing more heavily, especially in the QSR space, in automation to do some of these jobs and probably having fewer employees in the store. We saw this when we went yeah. to Amazon and Starbucks in yeah, New York, 100%. where you know the woman who used to run this high volume, you know, Queens. Starbucks is now running the Amazon Starbucks experiences, which is highly automated. And she said, you know, like we have fewer people here. My job is still to greet the customers, but it's not about, you know, taking orders, making coffee. It's just, you know, making sure that people know how to use the store. And that doesn't require, you know, 16 people on staff. So I do think we're going to start to see, you know, a change in the role of the associate in store probably getting higher pay because of the higher touch points that they're having with customers, but fewer employees in that environment. So that's an awesome point, but it actually makes me think that the problem would become even 
more pronounced. Really? Yeah, because if, if you start, you're right. The, the, the automatic solution the retailers are going to deploy is more automation. Mm-hmm. The workers that are left, which there still will be. Yes, yes. Are going to get more frustrated. And on the backdrop of this this week too, Amazon announces they're increasing their base cash compensation at yes. their headquarters yes. by double. Right. Double. And increasing the cost of prime. So they have a lot of money coming. <laughs> right. And so like, yes. So yes, the workers, in my opinion, there's, for lack of a better way to segue to the next story, and on this Starbucks story, there is trouble a-brewing. A-brewing, oh Anne. Oh my God. <laughs> All right, Anne. Speaking of trouble, we also have trouble brewing in Instant Delivery City. I'm talking Ooh. about trouble with a capital T. And this time, Anne, it rhymes with B, as in Bodega. According to CNBC. <laughs> that was really. It's a music really... man reference. You, have a, you don't know the music man? No, I oh don't. Oh, my and God. That was a stretch. Oh, we got trouble. Listeners, please Right here in River us. City. It starts with T. It starts with P. And it starts with it stands for pool. It stands for pool. All right. I don't think. All right. According to CNBC, some elected officials and small business leaders worried that delivery startups could eventually push out bodegas and corner stores. Critics are are trying to use zoning rules to curb the growth of instant delivery firms and their dark stores throughout New York City. And do you think the bodegas and the local officials have a case here? Um, I. I can understand what they're saying. I think it makes sense. Um, You're hedging, though. I would be frustrated as a as a bodega provider because you got more competition in the space. But look, I don't think this is an either or situation. We're not talking about like Blockbuster and Netflix, where like all of the the blockbusters are going to be completely obliterated and turned into like you know restaurants or something in the in the Hmm. next three years. I think that. Convenience, as we know, does not always mean 15 minute or less delivery. It means getting something reliably on my own time. And I think that the bodegas will still serve a purpose in conjunction with these instant delivery providers. And I'm, I'm curious what people like, uh, we hear a lot of complaints from the people, you know, in these neighborhoods that are rallying support around, you know, creating these, um, these special requirements for the instant delivery providers, but would you rather have a vacant storefront or would you rather have a dark store? Like you get some benefit of it. I guess that's my question. Like what, what would you prefer in this age of, you know, lots of vacancies? Uh, wow. See, I, I think I disagree with you on this. Okay. Yeah, I do. I, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I, I think the, I, well, one, I think you have to take this story really seriously. You're yeah. starting to see kerfuffles around this startup. You had also in the Netherlands this week, mm-hmm. two cities, Amsterdam and Rotterdam put moratoriums for an entire year on yep. the building of any more dark stores for this same reason. Yes. They're concerned about it. Um, the reason I, the reason I say that I kind of disagree with you is it's going back to what we said about uh, the last story too with Starbucks is like, I get your point about these are new businesses, but the people that are going to reap the benefits of that are the tech companies that are running automated facilities. Yes, yes, they're saying they supply jobs. I agree. And yes, there will still be some bodegas around, but there's going to be a lot less over time. Yeah. And so the question, and here's the other wrinkle to this that I think is important that I was thinking about last week. What if the VCs are wrong? What if the VCs spend 10 years super funding this business to the point of, you know, 20, 30, 50 billion dollars? Sure. Subsidizing the deliveries to the point where people just start using them because they're free, like has been claimed by the Wall Street Journal last year. That's going to suddenly impact a lot of bodegas over the next five to 10 years. And there's going to be a lot of people without jobs. And a lot of those are going to shut down. And that's going to have an impact. Now, the VCs could be right. In fact, I think they might be. And so either way, you know, you get to the same point to some degree here, either they're right and they're gone or they're wrong. And they takes a while to learn that they're wrong because you can't make money on it potentially. Mm -hmm. 
but along the wayside, there's a lot of collateral damage that happens. So I think, I think there's a point to this story that there's people have to watch. There's, there's something around the edges and nuance to this that has to be solved as we're coming to grips as a society with. There is a point, and I feel for the bodega owners because I know that they cannot compete with these instant delivery providers and the funding that they have. I, but I do still think that there there is a purpose, and the good bodegas will survive. Like they're they're not going to go away. You still need the corner store. There are things that they're providing that the instant delivery providers are not able to provide in the same way. Um, but that doesn't that also doesn't mean that like they shouldn't continue to try to get better. Like we are evolving as a people and your bodega has to evolve as a people too, to support the people in the neighborhood. So you're going more Darwinian than, than, than I am, which is more like, yeah, I think, I think civic authorities need to look into what is the right way to create a soft landing spot for everyone involved. Sure. I do. But I also think that you're going to have to stay competitive. So all right. Well, we got political on this show. I know we don't close it out with a non-political story about ghosts. All right. Yeah, ghosts. Uh, so headline number five, according to Chain Store Age, Simon is opening up ghost kitchens at two of the malls that it operates. It's introducing a concept called Chris Grab Go Eat, right. which is a new collaboration <laughs> I like to do. with Ghost Kitchen Startup <laughs> Kitchen United. So through the Grab Go Eat platform, customers at a select centers um, operated by Simon can order from multiple restaurants in a single transaction for in-mall pickup or home delivery. Simon customers can choose whether the food is delivered to their table or, this is my favorite part, at any store within the shopping center, as well as pick up food directly (laughs) from the restaurant or on-premises food lockers. Customers can order meals from Kitchen United's kiosks, websites, or an app, and the uh, grab-go-eat service will take care of the rest. Chris, They've covered all the bases here as far as I'm concerned, but what do you think? I never thought about this, but basically what you're saying is like, I could have my steak escape at the Gap. Like I, I can be like, hey, I'm in the Gap fitting room. Can I have exactly. my steak escape brought here? That's fantastic. Yeah, in the fitting room. Yeah, yeah that's going to pose some issues for those. Speaking of frontline workers and the things that they have to deal right. with, like uh, Mr. Walton's been in there with his steak escape burrito for the last but, 25 but minutes. But I think we got, so I think we got to go try this out. Because I want to see like what the yeah. limitations are on that. Like, you know, like my baked potato. What's that potato company? I know, but I mean, I, I, here's my quick take on this. And I know you love this story and you want to get this in and I did too, but you were much more interested in it than I was. Um, my hot take is it's a, this is a better way to go than like, say the, what we talked about with a, the autonomy concept at the Cincinnati airport oh, right. in terms of like getting one-to-one one delivery. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also think it's also a real pain point. Like when you're hungry at the mall, typically you're not hungry when you first go there. You're hungry after you shop. Yes. And then you have a lot of bags with you and you're in a certain part of the mall and the food court's in another part of the mall. And that's a frustrating thing to have to go find. And then also, quite honestly, like the food court is not my favorite place to eat in yes. general. Like it's, you know, it's for my demographic when you're older, like not what I want to go do. So I think, you know, having the ability to deliver it anywhere I want is solving a pain point for yes. me. Yes, absolutely. But what you thought, you you love this. So I why? think this is awesome. It is giving the customer the ultimate convenience on their terms. I love the single order and checkout from like multiple being, being able to key. order from multiple yeah. restaurants, especially, I mean, you mentioned like the food courts of old, a lot of malls within the last couple of years have really stepped up their food offerings as oh, a way yeah. to draw people into the mall. So I think that's going to be really cool, especially when you get more local providers um, entering into the food court spaces. 
but I especially love that they're delivering to stores because I want to talk about a quick trip type that is most common for me at the mall. And that is going after work to the mall to make an online return. So it's like thinking about, I have to go to the mall to do this, but how great would it be if like, while I'm waiting in line at the gap to return something that I purchased online, I can order my dinner from five different restaurants for all the kids and my family to have, and they drop it off while I'm in line waiting or at the Apple store, getting my phone fixed. Like this is so amazing. I cannot wait to try it. Yeah. And you know, I hadn't thought about this before, but this also feels like it dovetails really nicely with the, the mall of America that mind discussion totally. we've had on the store about how malls have an e-commerce place in the consumer mindset. Yes. And when you can bridge the, the, the traditional shopping at the retail stores with the food offering in this way, yes. hit it, those moments you're talking about as a mom, incredibly powerful. Yeah. When you put it in that perspective, really cool story, really big story. All right, Ann, this has been a fun show. I was singing the music man today. Like, oh I think God. we got to close this out with our best Everybody lightning round Everybody is ready ever. for this show yes. to be over. Um, okay. Lightning round question. Number one, Chris, no one is stealing hearts this Valentine's day in Canada. <laughs> Instead, people are stealing groceries. According to Canadian grocery, grocery stores throughout Canada have seen a significant rise in shoplifting in the past few months. Chris, what would you guess are the top three stolen items? In Canada? Yes. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. Tooks? I don't know. It's, What's a toque? It's a hat. It's a Canadian word for hat, I yeah. think. Shout out to our friends, loyal Canadian listeners. Uh, God, Carl and, and Gary. Uh, I would say steaks, spices, and alcohol, hard liquor. What, what's the answer? Well, you're right with number one, meats. Really? Cheeses. Cheese. And over-the-counter medicines. Oh, over-the-counter medicines, right. I don't, that's not really grocery, though. I think I take- I, I just want to know, like, what's the aftermarket value of, like, saffron? I mean, yeah. what are people, are people just stealing them? I, I figured it's super easy to steal and it's probably got a high resale value. Like that stuff's expensive. It can like quality. Like spices. Where, what is the black market for spice reselling? Or no like idea. meat and cheese is even worse. Like cheese. <laughs> it was only in my armpit for 15 yeah. seconds. Yeah. The cheese thing is that that's hard for me to get my head around. All right. And similar type topic for me this week, candystore.com released its 14 year running annual survey of the top Valentine's day candy by mm. state. Okay. Minnesota's was a heart-shaped box of chocolates. And are you hoping Mr. Army Talk gives you a box of chocolates or does your sassy sweet tooth prefer, prefer some other delectable sweet delight? Man, we are lame in Minnesota. Like know, how that's super basic. Lame. Yeah, right? Ugh. It's so dumb. Uh, no, I think Valentine's Day is dumb and I don't want anything. You think it's dumb? Yeah. Wow. All right. Wait, wait, wait. I mean, I love. Wait to punch I, this I, up, man. I love my husband <laughs> year round. Okay, I'll say that. Oh, that's so sweet. All right. The next question. The CEO of Edgewell is forecasting a boom in demand for personal care products as we head into spring and people start returning to work. Chris, you've recently re-returned to the office and Valentine's Day is coming up. Is there any personal item you're going to have to start using again? And absolutely not. My body is. Are you sure? Yes. My body is. Triple check that. My body is a temple and and I've always treated it as such. All right. To close this out. Shake Shack, this is the best one of all time. Shake Shack and DoorDash got together to launch a temporary dating site to help promote Shake Shack's new Buffalo chicken sandwich that matches couples based on how spicy they like their chicken. And I'm curious where you fall on that scale. Are you Tennessee hot or just good old fashioned, plain and extra crispy? Oh my God. You already know the answer to this one. <laughs> of course, Tennessee hot, obviously. If you say uh, like 
if I was dating again, if I don't like spice is something that you say, you are not my kind of partner. That's true. Yeah, I'm right. Immediately eliminated. It's a good point. I wonder if that's how it works. That's fascinating. I don't, I don't like spice. I don't like spice. Yeah. <laughs> On <Yeah>. my chicken. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Happy birthday today to Elizabeth Banks, Laura Dern, and the woman who almost, emphasis on almost, made the recent Tom and Jerry movie watchable, Chloe Grace Moretz. Who's Chloe Grace Moretz playing that movie? Uh, she's like the young person that scams her way into a job at a hotel oh yeah yeah, right. yeah. okay okay yep, yep. you with me now yes, you've no, seen I'm it too you. yes and it's unfortunately entirely unwatchable times. yes colin jost not Eugene a good colin star jost, turn yeah. for you better on the amazon commercial yeah. with scar joe yes right and remember to close up this great show this week if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business make it on we talk our fast five podcast is the quickest fastest rundown of all the week's top news in our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you. And it fits all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at www.omnitalk.blog. Thanks as always for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. And of course, as always, be careful out there. The Omnitalk Fast Five is a Microsoft-sponsored podcast. Microsoft Cloud for Retail connects your customers, your people, and your data across the shopper journey, delivering personalized experiences and operational excellence. And is also brought to you in association with the AM Consumer and Retail Group. The AM Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate their robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit takeoff.com. And finally, Sezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Sezzle.com. Thank you.